about divine protection uh in and what i the lord spoke something to me and he talked about divine protection and he said the body of christ his instructions about the body of christ do not fold spindle or mutilate the body of christ and any abuse of the body of christ is forbidden by god and so we have to understand divine protection <clears throat> in that respect and understand that there are certain activities toward his body that are 100% off limits uh, because of the um, importance that God places on humanity and on his son. There are, are uh, penalties that we need to understand as far as walking in holiness and walking as redeemed people on the earth. The body of Christ has a certain purpose, certain status, and certain protections in the earth. Our covenant with God has always elevated us to that status. So when you come into covenant with God, you are elevated from where you were before. And the purpose of divine protection is to keep you in that elevated place. The enemy would try and pull you down from that. And he would try to mutilate or, or mistreat the body of Christ in some way. You know, the, uh, the reason I use that phrase is that was always stamped on mail when it came through the post office, you know, the postal service, always if there were certain precious items in a package, they would say, do not fold, spindle, or mutilate. So that meant that they had to handle it with care as it passed through the natural elements of processing in the postal service. So they were not allowed to alter it in any way to change its form or its shape. Because then the contents inside would be damaged and that was forbidden. And I think we need to understand that about ourselves as the body of Christ. As we relate to the world. As the world relates to us. And also as we relate to one another. That we all have elevated status in the earth. And the purpose of the body of Christ is to hold one another up in an elevated status. You got me? Because if you don't go down, I'm not happy because I'm part of your body. Huh? It's like you ever see people skating. And some people are better skaters than others. And for some reason, the good skaters always want to get the bad ones out. Oh, come on out here. It ain't hard. Well, you don't know what I'm carrying. You don't know what I'm packing. (laughs) Well, you know, but you don't know. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) It ain't that easy being me (laughs) on roller skates. (laughs) But, you know, if if you get somebody who's pretty strong and pretty grabby when they go down, you go down with them even though you're a good skater. So what you do with your skills is you back yourself away from the fallen person to preserve yourself. And see, that's the way it is in the body of Christ. If one of us is diminished, the whole body takes somewhat of a dive. You know, it angers me sometimes when you see ministers. You know, got everything God could ever give anybody on earth 
And then they wind up doing something stupid. And you say, well, here we go again, taking another black eye. Because we're all going to feel it, folks. You know, because they, the people in the world look to that and want to come to us first with that bad news. Oh, I heard about, sir. Huh? They never come and tell you, well, I heard Billy Graham won, you know, a thousand people to the Lord yesterday. Always come to you with something uh, evil, right? Because, to be honest with you, the world expects us to be elevated. See, they're disappointed with us when they see us fall because they think, man, if them Christians are doing that, what hope do I have? Huh? And so we get a black eye double from them because they're ex- they don't like it. But they know uh, if, if there really is a God, I know somebody who knows him. But when they start falling like dominoes, they think, well, who am I going to go to if I really, you know what I'm saying. So it, it hurts everybody. But God has called us to an elevated status in the earth. He expects us to stay there. When you're in covenant with God, you receive his status. You receive his status. That's why we're elevated. It's not God pumping us up and trying to make us feel important. But we have become partakers of the divine nature. So he has imparted excuse me, himself to us and that's what elevates us. That's what elevates us. I know when I got married, I felt, I said, wow, I misses, you know, whatever. <laughs> you know, I mean, fill in the blank. You know, and <laughs> and it's legitimate because the Bible says marriage is honorable. So you start receiving that honor. You know, I mean... It's, it's legitimate. The, you know, our prayer, you know, that prayer of Jezebel, uh, I will, seven, seven women calling to one man, I'll, I got my own job, I pay my own bills, I wear my own apparel, only let me be called by your name so I don't get a reproach in the earth. See? So there is a reproach when, when you're single, like you're rejected or something like that, even though that may not be true for everybody. But there's there's something about people that are seeing marriage becomes a goal for people, you know, and it's a good goal. But, but because the Bible says it's honorable, we receive some of that honor when we, you know, when we get married and and and, and then they pull a remote out on you. Ain't that something? Ah, man, it, it was honorable until he got sat up there and took them stinking shoes off and stuck them toes in front of the TV. You know. So you come crashing back down to reality. You know what I'm saying? I mean, there's honor and there's stinky feet and a remote control and games all day long. You know what I'm saying? They can find more. I think we ought to get cable. I know why you want cable. I thought it was so I could have some, you know, domestic stuff to look at. It's so you can sit up there and go from one. And they can find games on, you know, channel 787 
And I think they only go up to like 220 something where HGTV is. And you get over in the BET and MTV and you don't go there. So you say, well, I better stay down here and don't look on this end. And he up seven, five, and it's all over there. Right. Amen. Then when you can't see him, it's a radio with, on the TV with the cable with a game coming. Right. I mean, come on now. I want us to have cable. No, you don't. You want us to have I did say it was honorable, didn't I? I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I, di- I digress. I get carried away again. In Genesis 12, you see an example of how a covenant gave you God's status in the earth. We see Abraham. Genesis 12, 1, we'll start there. Now the Lord had said it to Abram. This is when he first meets him. Get thee out of thy country and from thy kindred, from thy father's house, into a land that I will show you. And I will make of you a great nation. And I will bless you and make your name great and you shall be a blessing. I will bless them that bless you and curse them that curse you. And in you shall all the families families of the earth be blessed. Now that sounds like God to me. It's the same status that God has. God can do anything. He's all powerful. So if God has enemies, his enemies won't stand. He gave that to Abraham. He said, anybody fights you, I'll fight them. He said, I'll elevate you, I'll make your name great. My name is great, I give that to you. So the elevated status that we have conferred on us by God is God's status in the earth. That's why people, that's why when you want to tell your little friends about Jesus or, you know, most of us have Christian friends. You know, other than that, we would barely be saved. You know, we wouldn't be able to hold our heads up. So all our friends are Christians. With a small C. <laughs> you know what I'm saying. But you start sharing the word with them. And you can go two steps, three steps, four steps, and then you come to a fork in the road. Where you go straight with the word and they stop. Huh? All right? Now, the fork in the road is real. The term, agree with thy adversary quickly. While thou art in the way, the word way also means road. So agree with your adversary quickly while you're in the road with him. Now, why'd they say that? Well, when you, <clears throat> when you were traveling back in the day, you traveled by foot, especially in the Middle East. You didn't dare take an animal unless you knew there was water along the route or you were going a short distance and you had enough water for your animal until you got it back but they didn't take animals far traveling was on foot and so you carried a few things with you because you couldn't be burdened down and heavy when you traveled you you know you lightened your load but there were robbers on the way on the road and so you always wanted a traveling companion with you and so if you found somebody 
that you were walking with, say you came to a fork in the road. Say, Nola, stand up for a minute. You, me and you'll walk over toward Chuck. And Nola and I are sharing the word, and we're talking about, yeah, you know, I'm saved. I got saved, so and so and such and such. And she says, I'm saved too. And I said, well, do you speak in tongues? And she said, oh. And we're at the fork in the road, see. If she's going to go with me, she'll say something like, oh, no, I never have, but I sure would like to. See, she agreed with her adversary quickly. Because if we don't stay together, the robbers and the burglars, and we'll be the Samaritan laying down waiting for somebody to come pick us up, beating, bleeding on the side of the Jericho Road. See? But if she and I don't agree, she'll say something real nice to me. And then we get to the fork in the road, and we both waiting around. And I say, hey, Chuck. Come on, pray in tongues with me. You said, come on, girl, let's go. And I found another friend. And I continue and walk on with them until we get to another fork in the road. Divine healing. Oh, we pray for the sick and we anoint with oil. Huh? See, mm, I don't think so. So we walk along and we chit-chat about, you know, oh, yeah, you know, have you seen Benny Hinn? Well, I don't know if all his stuff is real. Well, you know, sometimes it's real and I'm just, you know, we're going to change the subject and talk about praying in tongues again. Because I'm agreeing with my adversary quickly because if I drop my company here, we liable to both get beat up and left on the side of the road, beaten, bleeding, waiting for the Good Samaritan to come pick us up. And so... <laughs> But that's the way life in the spirit is. See, you have your Christian friends and you can only go so far with them. Because if you dare would share with them all of the things that God, you're going to have come to a parting of the ways. Uh, You definitely are going to come to a parting of the ways. And so God has ordained that the body of Christ have an elevated status in the earth. So in order to keep peace, sometimes we just part company go our separate ways and you stay on your level i stay on on my level but we've come to a dividing but there's peace with us we agreed as far as we went nice traveling with you nola i had a wonderful time but we got off the bus at different stops and you go on and i go on someplace else and so that is the proper way to handle diversities of belief Unbelief versus faith, supernatural faith, and so forth, unless God gives you an unction to share, an open door to share, where that person gets a curiosity and wants to know more, and you can share more with them, and then that information can be imparted, and you can walk a little bit further with them, you know, until they get back with their people at their church, and the devil steals it from them again, or something like that. But you know how we survive. We quit fighting over the word, see. We quit wrestling with one another and tearing down one another, you know, fold, spindle, mutilate one another. Because we want to keep the body elevated and we know it's not life and death that we win this argument. And that would all it would, that would be all it would be if we pursued down that road we just be winning an argument for nothing and so it doesn't help anything sometimes to argue with people and if you have an open door to minister you take that open door but you always understand that God wants you to handle people with care he wants you to handle the body of Christ with care because we all have that elevated status from God we become as God is in the earth So God begins to talk to Abraham in terms 
where God begins to share with him, Abraham, I'm treating you like I would treat myself. I'm going to fight for my word to be established in the earth. And as you carry my word in the earth, I'm going to fight for you just like I would fight for myself. God's laws protected him and they protect us. God's laws hold God in high esteem. The Bible says God is not a man that he should lie. That's why he tells us, thou shalt not lie. Because your daddy is not a liar. huh? You have a new daddy now. And I am not a liar. So you can't lie. So then the Bible gives us permission to be imitators of God. The reason he commands obedience is because he wants us to imitate him. Natural fathers are flattered when their sons look like them, when they act like them, when they want to go into the family business, all of that. They're flattered by that. Why? Because that shows that they are a good influence on that child. And so God wants to have that stamp of approval with us that he knows that he is a good influence on us because we obey him. He's a good influence on us. Covenant means that you release control to God. And the way you release control to him is through obedience no matter what. God judges unrighteousness, wickedness, and broken commandments. So wherever it appears, his judgment is against it. See, mercy is not that God doesn't penalize you. That's not mercy. Mercy is that even though you deserve penalty, you don't stay there. You get a second chance to do it right. So God has confidence in our ability to receive righteousness from him and to continue to operate in that righteousness. See, he has total confidence that we won't stay stupid forever. You got me? He knows that he knows how to get his kids to respond the right way. Now, we may not feel that way. And we may not feel that way about one another. But God has total confidence that the, the work at Calvary was a complete and total work for your redemption and your ability to follow through and obey every command he ever gives you. He knows. So even if we think we can't obey. Or we come up with a good excuse for disobedience. He knows better. See? That's why he, he doesn't, you can't say his laws are unfair. See, they're not unfair. You just aren't accepting the mandate that you can obey everything that God tells you to do. It's not, it's not unfair. So he wouldn't, he wouldn't require it if we couldn't do it. And if we attempt it and fail, 
then through repentance, his mercy grants us another opportunity to do it and get it right. See, repentance really means that you change your mind about it. You don't think it's right anymore. And you don't think there's an excuse for it anymore. You know it's wrong. And now you seek God to strengthen you and help you to be able to do it. Instead of looking at the task and saying you can't and feeling sorry for yourself. And just wallowing, you know, in whatever you do that you know isn't pleasing to God. So he judges unrighteousness. And he gives us opportunity to correct those things and walk in righteousness again. If we release control to God through obedience, then he undertakes for us. But if we insist on fighting by ourselves, he'll let us. But your covenant is not in force. Flesh and blood shall not inherit the kingdom. Flesh and blood is outside of the covenant of God. Remember the sacrifices were made outside of the gate. The gate inside the gate was holy. Outside wasn't. And so you're outside of the covenant. You want to get inside where the covenant is. So you've got to pass through that blood. So when you're disobedient, you repent, which means you endeavor not to make the same mistake again. You don't want to be a repeat offender in anybody's court. I mean, God is merciful, but, you know, you don't want to be a repeat offender. You want to be a person that walks upright before God and is mature before God. But we all make mistakes. Some of us make mistakes endeavoring to do the right thing. And some of us just refuse to do the right thing and make mistakes. So you want to be the person that is endeavoring to do the right thing and make mistakes. Because it's easier for you if, you, if your heart's right and you intend to do the right thing, it's easy to correct yourself. If you're full of fear and you're afraid to obey God, then it's going to be hard to get you out of fear, you know, really. And so you have to get yourself out of there through through prayer and renewing your mind and, and getting yourself built up on the inside so that you cannot help but obey God Answer the, after the scripture compels you to do it. You know, you can meditate on the word and get convinced on the inside that God's word is the right for thing for you to do and you can in confidence and faith go forth and do it. And so that's the preferred way to do things. People in rebellion usually have some fear of obeying God. They're not their idea of who God is is not right because they have not accepted their elevated status. They'll see other people walk in righteousness and get mad at them, get jealous and start backbiting and looking for things wrong with them. See? Because they themselves have not accepted their elevated status. Now, we see it all the time, folks. You see churches that refuse to pray in tongues, refuse to believe in the supernatural, and they fight the people who do all the time, calling them false. Because they have not, they can easily read that word and say, I believe that and obey it, 
and get elevated to the same place that person who's obeying God is. But they refuse to do it. And so they become somebody who is damaging, mutilating the body of Christ by tearing it down with words. They're false. They just take your money. They don't do anything. That's not God's power. That's the devil, that kind of thing. And so because a person is not accepting their status, their new status in God, they will fight someone who does accept theirs. Many times we'll, we'll look at people who are uh, the multimillionaire preachers in the body of Christ. Some of them get it legit and some of them just have big mailing lists and a TV program. And we all know that. But there are some that God has blessed tremendously. And so you feel small sometimes around those people because their status, they understand God in a way that we don't quite. You got me? Because they've accepted that God is, will, will make them rich. And if they just obey God, they'll find wealth in a lot of things that they do. You got me? And so they accept that elevated status and embrace it and start obeying God. And then they achieve to the level of what they've embraced and accepted from God. It's just that simple. And so many times when we find ourselves mm, disgruntled with the body of Christ and mm, out of sorts with people and we don't like to be around these Christians and, you know, mm, it's because we have not accepted our elevated status like they have. Just like me, Nolan Chuck, walking down the road. Uh, we accept status, but then we stop at a certain level, and then we have to split company because we can't quite get there and accept that level that that person has. So there are all levels of attainment in the body of Christ, all kinds of levels. Your level depends on, on your relationship with God. It's open to everybody to attain to the highest in Christ. You're not, you're not relegated to some place that's already predestined for you to stay there. You can attain as much in Christ as you desire. So it's totally open to you. But what we have to do is accept what God has for us. We have to accept our place where we are and understand that there is more to come. The people who, who get there in God, who get to the highest places, who have the greatest success, are the ones who are constantly looking to attain more in God. And then they can walk in the obedience of it, and then they're able to have all of the protection and all of the things that God has for them. <clears throat> so God will let us fight for ourselves if we insist on it, but then we don't have a covenant in force. And what do I mean fight for ourselves? Well, if, if you're having difficulty with someone, say somebody's saying you owe a bill that you know you don't owe, you can either let God fight for you through his word and ask God to bring truth in a situation. Father, this debt is not right. You paid all of my debts. The blood of Jesus is paid for everything I owe. And I'm asking you to undertake for me. Then you move by unction. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. That means if God tells you whatever you do next has to come to you as part of the plan of God, 
that is your part to do in order to get this untruth removed from your record. You know, say it's damaging your record, your credit. They want to garnish you, whatever is going on. If you have a covenant with God and you trust in that covenant, you'll lay down carnal weapons and you'll make your petition to God, understanding his word, understanding you said you would fight with those who fight with me, God. This is not fair. I didn't create this debt. This is a mistake on my record, and I'm asking you to take care of it for me. The next move you make will determine whether you, you keep your covenant and you understand your covenant or if you want to fight your own battles. See? And most of us will either panic and go call somebody, trying to get it straightened out, finding receipts. They argue with you. We never received it. You have a receipt. We don't have that. You go fight for yourself. Or you'll let God do it for you. Amen. Hmm? Now, how many people can just hold tight? You see what I'm saying? The difference can be that much. And you're right. You did pay it. You could call and explain it to him. But if God didn't nudge you in that direction, see, he can't fight for you. See, there will be some times <clears throat> where the, the fire, will be, fire will be coming in the back door and you can barely get out the front Amen. if you really trust God and trust your covenant with him. Amen. But see, many times we try to defend ourselves without God being with us there, without God's permission. He didn't lead you. You just want to get this straightened up. Hmm? And mostly we want it straightened out because we're scared if we don't get it straightened out, something bad's going to happen to us. We're fear motivated. If you have a covenant with God, you're not motivated by fear. You're motivated by trusting God. And it's not that you don't want to talk to people and you're scared to talk to them or any of that nonsense that the devil will try to push you out to do something on your own. But I haven't heard from God as to what to do about this. And until I hear from God as to what to do about it, I'm not doing anything. And they call you every day and threaten you and tell you they're going to take this and tell you they're going to take that. Until you see it pulled out of your garage, don't believe it. Until they back the truck. I'm talking about somebody who's innocent. Now, I'm not talking about y'all. See, they got too happy about... You can't talk to somebody. I'm trying to talk like a Christian to a Christian. And they took it all around the corner somewhere. Huh? But it's the truth. See, you can laugh at anything because God tells you, you you, you have a covenant with him. Now, he said if people fight you, I'll fight them because I give you my status in the earth. I don't have an enemy down there I'm scared of, and I don't have an enemy I can't put out of business if they mess with me. Huh? I had a credit card company. Bank of America has been in trouble, you know, money-wise recently. See, whenever they get in trouble, they want to dump on you. So, you know, we had a little credit. I mean, you know, every year it goes down and down and down. And none of them really giving up nothing real big. But, you know, God always keeps enough credit 
for us to do what we need to do. You know, I mean, he's never going to leave you just high and dry. You can't do anything. And so they sent me a letter. We have decided to discontinue your use of our cards. I said, really? You discontinuing me? I don't think so. I'll let you know when I'm done with you. That's just what I said. And they say, as of so-and-so and so-and-so, we will not be renewing. You know they sent me new cards in the mail? Because I laughed at them. I said, no, you don't quit me, I quit you. I have a covenant with God. When God says you threw with me, that's when we threw. You hang on and maybe I'll send you $30 a month. I might use your card to $30, but I ain't in love with you no more. <laughs> I'm serious. I'm going to threaten you with earthly credit. Give me a break. Are you kidding me? What's you laughing back? <laughs> he done woke up. <laughs> it's the truth. Hey, you know, go put out. Because y'all scared, that don't make me scared. You know, they in trouble everywhere. They messed up and bought countrywide of all people. Now they paying off all the countrywide's debts. They thought they were going to pick up some mortgages and make some money. Now they got to pay off all the debts. And they're going to put that. No, you ain't bugging me with that. That's your problem. You're not putting pressure on me. I could care less. You know, I turned down more credit than y'all got to offer. But just, I ain't quitting you yet. You're going to send me another card. Join the mail. We're happy to renew you. I know you're happy. You better get glad. Huh? <laughs> I have a covenant with God. They don't quit me. I quit them. Once something's granted to you by God, until you're done with it, you don't get rid of it. They don't get rid of you. <laughs> You know, people make you mad sometimes. Won't put this little, you know, $1,000 credit limit or something like that. They're going to make me scared over that. If you knew. Huh? <laughs> so if you insist, you got to watch what makes you nervous. Huh? Get nervous and get over it. You got me? I mean, what makes you nervous makes you nervous, but get nervous and get over it and get over in your covenant. Huh? And go over in the covenant where nobody is allowed to fold, spindle, or mutilate you. Huh? They can't cut you off without a penny and tell you you can't do this and you, you can't borrow anymore. And, and, and then what they tell you is because of uh, uh, wrong, oh, uh, what is it, some point against your credit score. I said, I don't have a credit score. I don't need one. Y'all going to score me and my daddy owns everything? Are you kidding me? You don't score me. (laughs) I'm serious. You don't score a child of God. Let me see now. Where was I? I had some good notes when I was at home yesterday. But see, if you insist on fighting yourself, he'll let you. He'll let you write letters, get nervous, beg and plead. I ain't begging no man for nothing. You hear me? You ask my late husband. I didn't beg. If I thought it was mine, I took it. 
I might apologize later, but uh, <laughs> we had the goods already. You understand what I'm talking about? <laughs> yeah, he, brother. Well, he's he's a happy man. What can I tell you? He's full of joy. <laughs> but the covenant really means that you release control of these things to God, and you speak as God would speak, huh? You think God's nervous about Bank of America not giving one of his kids some credit, huh? Now, I could have folded and accepted, well, you know, that's one crack. I guess I cut this one up, but I decided to say no. I don't bow to the God of mammon. Not scared of him. Don't bow to him. You know, the worst of the credit crunch is over, and we still have enough credit to do everything, more than enough credit to do everything we need to do, you know, on a temporary basis. We don't, we're not robbing Peter to pay Paul and that kind of dumb stuff. You know, you get your bills paid. The end of the time period of that bill is paid off. You know, 30 days it's gone. So I'm not looking to live on credit. You know, that's one of the things that God will teach you. You start living on credit like the world does and the devil's got you. Huh? Oh, boy, if I don't get this credit card. Huh? You just get them. I get drawers with them in them. I don't even use. They send them to me. I said, oh, okay, I'll take this one. They got a, a, you know, a little deal here. You get so much discount. I said, okay, I'll take that one. You know, seldom use them. Huh? When I die, y'all can line my coffin in plastic. You'll find a couple, got a couple drawers and slide it all in plastic. Huh? <laughs> you know, I mean, accept these things. You know, if they're going to be helpful to you. But you're not, it ain't life and death. But see, you can say that if you got credit. If you don't have it, you need to get to the point where you understand what your daddy has. You embrace, embrace who you are. And you receive that so that you can live free on the earth. And that's not something the devil holds over your head. You can't get this because you're credited. You can't get that because you you can't get that like he controls you. You don't live like that. You have a covenant with God. He said he'll bless those who bless you. You know, you need to have the attitude. Look, Bank of America, y'all need to keep me on there. Huh? Because you can get blessed. You might come out of this thing with your countrywide debt if you keep me on there. Because, see, I can talk to Daddy on your behalf, and maybe he'll let them cut you some slack. But if you cut me off, he's going to fight with you. Yes. Says it right there wow. in the Bible. Amen. See, he'll fight with those who fight with his children. Amen. They curse you, he'll curse them. That's right. That's right. They call you stupid, they'll wind up with the egg on their face. Amen. They call you no good, they'll wind up being no good. Amen. Huh? Amen. 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 Because that's not who you are. Amen. You're a child of the Most High God. Amen. You have his status. He has elevated you and he has given you his status in the earth. Amen. So anything he would do for himself, he does just for you. Amen. Does it exactly for you. And he'll keep his word. Amen. Well, Barb, you know, I mess up so much. I don't care. 
He got a covenant with you. I don't. You understand? If I had one with you, I might discontinue you if you mess up too much. You get on my nerves. But see, he won't do it because he got a covenant with you, and he don't have no last nerve to get on. He knew you was a cut up when he when he got in covenant with you. When he saved you, he knew exactly how much you'd mess up. Huh? How many times you get up and say, I ain't going to do that no more and do it right again the next time you get up. He knew all of it already, and he still made a covenant with you. Anybody tries to diminish your elevated status in the earth, I will fight them. That's why you have such a hard time when you start trying to feel sorry for yourself and saying you can't do this and you can't do that. He'll fight you inside of you. You ever had the Holy Ghost just pin you down and say, now get up and stop that. Who do you think you're talking to? Cut it out. huh? Get up and go do something. Huh? Stop this nonsense. And so he, he does everything to keep your status elevated. That's his primary reason in fighting your battles for you is so that you are not diminished any in this earth. Not one little bit. He calls you his child. He calls you his bride. And he is not going to let that status be diminished at all. Huh? He doesn't care. He's going to fight to keep you in what he called you to be. Period. Anybody that tries to tarnish your reputation, they can forget it. Their history. The unfortunate thing, Christians sometimes get themselves messed up, you know, when they start fighting with other Christians. And then something happens to them. You know, sometimes, it's, it, let me tell you how God explained it to me. Is <clears throat> if, if I look at Avis and, and I say, well, you know, Avis, I love Avis, but. This is the but that will get you in trouble. Some people don't even say they love you. They just make you live in the butts. People who kind of have problems and faults and things and sometimes are a stumbling block to other people because you can can have corrected that fault, but sometimes people will leave you in that. Bad stuff. Bad stuff. Bad stuff. Let me tell you why. Many times people will will say things about you based on your faults, not on your elevated status in God. You see what I'm saying? And you'll get yourself in a mess like that because if you don't let a person out of that and the blood has paid for them to come out, you start accusing the blood of Jesus as not being effective in that person's life. How would you like to fight with something that's pure and holy and you know you can't win? See, your mind will get tormented. You'll start getting depressed. You'll find, you'll find yourself not being able to dig yourself out of a hole. You understand what I'm saying? And, and it, it can take you into a realm where you have a hard time getting out of the condemnation of the devil because he trapped you in there because you were foolish enough 
to pull somebody down from an elevated status that God gave them. Hmm? See, we all know each other's faults, but we don't evaluate each other according to weakness. We evaluate each other according to what God says. And we all know we have potential. And we all know that we can get somewhere. So we have to leave the door open for that person to get where they're going and not bar the door because we look at faults and that's all we're interested in when we look at people. See, your religious churches do that. All they want to do is find that you do something wrong and then it gets on a grapevine. Mm -hmm. Gets buzzed about. And then a group of people clicks. You get over in this click where they can talk about anybody, but they do it behind closed doors. And then, you know, that's okay in their little click. And they don't know how to get out of their click. See? The devil leave you trapped in there. And if you insist upon accusing that person of their weakness, of their sin, of their fault, or whatever it is, you start accusing the blood of Jesus. Huh? And you'll suffer the consequences of that. See, unforgiveness carries its own penalty. You don't get forgiven. So then if you don't forgive that person, you insist upon bombarding them with their fault all the time, either in your mind or in your conversation or wherever it is, you start to accuse God because God has given that person his status and you begin to accuse God. And God will allow you to suffer mental mental torment behind that. Because you can't, so all you have to do now is cry out to God and see if you can get some mercy. See? And it's not easy to get sometimes. I had somebody that come to me once and and they had asked, they had, I had heard that they were sick and I offered to pray for them and blah, this, blah, that. And they said, well, I want to come to the healing school, but really it's my secretary, armor bearer, you know, that kind of stuff, armor bearer, whatever. That's the sickest. We both have the same kind of cancer. They got a ministry. But what they did was keep a little witchcraft prayer going against other ministers. To the degree that she told me about it. And she said, I I really think the Lord is prompting me to ask your forgiveness because when you first came to this city, I told people not to come to your meetings. And I told them you didn't have a covering, and they were going to get messed up. Don't receive a problem. Both of them dead. Now, they didn't die because of saying stuff, but it didn't help. Because when you start accusing somebody who has God's status, then you accuse the blood of Jesus, and all that accusation gets stuck on your soul. And you get in the condemnation of the devil. And he starts telling you, you'll never get forgiven. Look how sick you are. You'll never get healed. Because now she won't pray for you because you talked about her, which is not true. You understand what I'm saying? I could care less about everybody talks. You know what I'm saying? So, but when you start to tear down the body, you tear down yourself. You see, you won't win that one. Because then that person, whether they repent or not, they still have that elevated status in God. See, God gave that to them. He never takes it back. I don't care how much they sin. I don't care how much they mess up. 
I don't care how much trouble they cause in the church. I don't care what they do. It's never canceled. Once they have a covenant with God, they still have that status with God. And they can still get help from God. They can still do everything. But if you have pinned them in a box of accusation, you're going to have the problem with God because he said, I will fight those who fight you. See? And people can come out and they can repent and they can get forgiven, but can they have assurance of forgiveness after they've done all that nonsense? See? Hard to come out of the condemnation of the devil. That's why you don't play around with huh? the accuser of the brethren. He's already been cast down. So their status, their ability to function in their status gets decreased as they try to decrease you, and you can go on about your business. You got me? You repent of your faults and go on and live a happy Christian life. I know I did. You got me? And people who get stuck in stupid accusation, and this is what she told me. She said, my, uh, the pastor over my church told us not to do that, so we told everybody else. Well, how are you going to blame somebody for something you shot your mouth off? I don't care who told you to do it. And why would you want to drag everybody else in it? You understand that he had his own problems. He's one of the few pastors I know that was taken to court for laying hands on somebody and praying for him. And was given a court order and on probation that he cannot lay hands on anybody and he's a minister of the gospel. I tell you this to encourage you to leave people's elevated status alone. God elevated them. You can't decrease them. You don't have a heaven. You didn't make a heaven to put nobody in or have a hell to put nobody in. So leave their status elevated. Keep them in high esteem. Encourage them. Encourage them to go forth in God, even if you don't think they can do much. Your job is to encourage them because that's God's word and they're entitled to hear God's word from you. And if you will be the type of person that reflects what God thinks about people and what God says about people and what God feels about people, you'll stay on the right side of his blessing yourself. See, we can mess this up for ourselves good fashion by playing God. Because you have elevated status in him, that does not make you God. huh? So don't play God, especially when it comes to judging, condemning, and boxing people in to where they can't grow and they can't come out. See, We have a lot of authority with that. It's up to us to encourage growth in one another or discourage growth in one another. We have a lot of power with one another. And so God looks at that just as his status. We have his status in the earth when it comes to us personally as a body. We have that status as well. We can cause flourishing growth, prosperity in one another, or we can cause a diminishing of one another. I think that woman could have been easily healed, but she let the devil condemn her. See, when God says apologize to somebody, that's so you can get free you forgive you can get forgiven so go ahead and receive your forgiveness you know you can't go to every time dick and harry you ever said anything bad about you know i hope he won't put you on that kind of trip 
Huh? Because we be going, some of us be going back a mighty long way. Huh? But I think if some of you, you know, you come to somebody and you think they might have heard something and you need something from them, you know, maybe that's a wise thing to do. But, but accept your forgiveness. See, if you get so condemned, you're so religious yourself that you don't think a confession of your, your guilt is enough to please God and cleanse you from all unrighteousness so you can get your healing. Those people don't have to die. But see, if you live in a religious world where you're judgmental toward everybody, that judgment will come back to you, which you sow, you reap. And so we have to make sure that we don't live in a place where we condemn, where we don't allow people to change, and we don't acknowledge change when it happens. You got me? We need to look for growth instead of look for them to stay the same. We look for them to grow. We look for them to change. Either that or mind your own business. You know, where are you watching somebody else's garden for anyway? You know, we spend too much time peeking over in the neighbor's yard. You don't know what they got going on. huh? But you do know you have a status in God. And you know they have a status in God. And so we seek to enhance that status, appreciate it, understand it. Know that there's good things that that person can produce. There are good things that they can accomplish. And look for your ability. Look for something that you have that can intertwine with what they have to cause growth in the both of you. You understand? It will do you both good. So so God uh, will fight for us if we will lay down our weapons. No carnal weapons allowed here. It's a little knife you carry in your sock. You know, the little 22 you keep just in case you feel blue. All that stuff. Now, a one-time confession is not the same as walking with God in covenant. You've got to walk with him every day in covenant. And many people tend to claim more than they are entitled to. Huh? As you walk with God, you, you take on his abilities, his righteousness, all of his attributes. And what I mean is just walk with a knowledge of, of what the word says about your situation. If you're, if you're in a marriage, you know, you have to be obedient to your spouse. You have to show them some honor. You have to show them respect, all of those things. You know, I know I talk a lot about taking money, but it was kind of hard to get from that brother. That's why it was such a... Well, you understand, Chuck. I digress. I digress. I digress again. Anyway. (laughs) But this is the interesting thing. The Bible says Enoch walked with God, and he was no more on the earth because God took him. Now, what I think that meant was Enoch walked so perfectly with God. Every morning he woke up, God, where are you? Show me what you want me to do. And God started walking. God would come down to the earth to visit Enoch. And one day God went to heaven. He looked around. Enoch was still there. <laughs> he said, oh, man, I forgot. I, was, I forgot. I should have dropped you off at your house again. And, you know, you stuck so close to me, I didn't even realize I, was, I, was, I thought I was by myself. 
You got me? And so that's the way God wants us to walk with him. Because he has given us his status in the earth. We are not victims. If you had a clue what God has already given you, you stay in this Bible until it's sucked up in your face and your, your head and your body and everything. Because we spend too much time in our own little mind trying to figure out how to do things that God's already done for us. If we would just hold on to his hand and walk and let him walk us into things. But instead, we don't trust God. We don't read enough word to develop a trust for God. And the minute something natural happens, we start wrestling the gorilla. Huh? Where you at? I'm going to get him this time. They don't even exist. Huh? Because we yet don't accept who we are. He said, I will bless you and make you a blessing. Who is, where's, where's the last person you blessed? Huh? He said, I'll make you a blessing. He said, you won't be able to help but bless somebody in the earth. He said, I'm on you and I'm with you. And I blessed you. That means that you have the ability to bring good, to bring joy, to bring happiness, to bring all of those things into the lives of other people. When was the last time you blessed somebody and quit worrying about what, you, what I'm going to eat, what I'm going to drink, what I'm going to put on? You're already blessed with those things. James says that we have not because we ask not, and we have not because we ask the mist to consume it on our lust. We lust for things, we grab for things, we never have enough. Why? Because we don't accept our elevated status. We're blessed already. All you got to do is find out how to get the blessing into your possession. Walk with God. See, you walk with God and getting the blessing isn't a problem anymore. Because you know you got it. Now you have your moments where the devil might try to rattle your cage. You know, put, a, put an extra big bill at the door. You know, every December I turn on Christmas lights because I love Jesus. And I want the whole neighborhood to know I love Jesus. So I got my little holy family statues on my porch and everything lit up like neon. So I love Jesus. Till that bill comes in January when his, his head showed up and the people love their money. But you know what? I refuse it. Yes. So now I've been too long getting bills paid by God. You understand what I'm saying? I don't get rattled. I don't go out and, and plug in somewhere I can't afford. You got me? And I ain't got no long extension cord plugged into the neighbors either. You know, my, <laughs> my little elder neighbors. <laughs> she don't know what's going on. Older than I am. <laughs> huh? Now, I could as a cost-saving measure, but I'm not going to do it because I love Jesus. 
And I bought my holy family statues and I put them out there. I got baby Jesus in a little light up crash and, you know, wise guys, three of them. If I had four, I might be in some trouble with the illuminating company, but three wise guys. I got Frosty the Snowman. I got a North Pole. I got everything for whatever your flavor is. Huh? Little kids like Frosty, they get up close, they say, oh, it's baby Jesus. Yeah, that's right, that's what you really came for. Frosty was just a hook. Huh? But I keep them all because I love Jesus. Devil robbed that from me. You know, the first thing, you know, instead of turning some other lights off, the devil wants you to cancel Christmas. Huh? It's true. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, don't burn no lights. That's expensive. I love Jesus. It's my one time a year to let everybody know, and I'm going to let them know. Huh? I'm going to let them know. I gladly pay that December light bill. Huh? Praise the Lord. Amen. Walking with God, it'll help you. It'll help you. Huh? It really will. Now, I, I... Walk with God, you know, because it was a security for me. When I first got saved, I couldn't stay far away from my Bible or anything. It was a necessity. And after a while, it just became a habit. He was my friend, and I could talk to him about anything, and he helped me with anything and and all of that. And I was sitting, I think it was at the uh, James and Tanisha, the Evanses, when they first were in the building that we just left from, and he had asked me to come down and do a meeting with him or something like that. And so I asked my husband to come, and he came, and, and he said, he said, I just want to give honor to the woman of God, and, you know, that kind of stuff. He says, <laughs> no, you look around and say, oh. <laughs> but, you know, Aubrey used to think a lot of this stuff was put on. I mean, you know what I'm saying. I mean, the early, you, you know. I've seen you with no makeup on. Shut up. Shut up. Shut up. In a respectful way, you know. But but anyway, James said this. He said, now, I don't have a lot of minister friends. He said, I'm young in the ministry. He said, but I do pray. And so the Lord had told me to ask her to help us get started and and I asked the Lord, I said, well, who, who can, no, he said, who can I get to help me? He said, well, well, and he mentioned my name. And he said, well, Lord, he said, I like her and she has a good ministry. And the Lord said, you choose her because she walks with me. Mm-hmm. And so I nudged my husband. I said, see, <laughs> I sure did. I ain't no fraudulent minister. (laughs) But see, you don't know what God's telling people about you, uh, telling two people about you. You understand what I'm saying? Why? You have an elevated status with God. And if you trust your covenant with God, you keep covenant with God. He keeps covenant with us. You keep covenant with him. Everything that he has is yours. And you know it. You don't sweat it. You're not nervous about it. You know it. And nobody can take it away from you. Nobody. You know, people say things like, well, these ministers. 
Well, I have so much responsibility in my ministry. Um, I, I have annual physicals just to make sure that I'm, my health is right for all I have to do. I said, you ain't that important. Ain't none of us that important. You understand what? If you tomorrow got to have somebody to do your work or he gets somebody else pretty soon. You know what I'm saying? Well, I, I had a physical and they found I was in perfect health. Suppose they found something else. Hmm? What are you going to do then? See, I have a covenant with God that says none of these diseases will he put on me. He heals me. So if I know that he's always healing me, then I don't have to worry about what they say. You got me? I care less what they say. And if people, people who depend on you as a minister are that nervous about your physical condition, are you kidding me? What are they doing sitting there under you if they're nervous about your health? I mean, what are you all learning if we, this is how we live? We live concerned. Oh, if something happens to the woman of God, we got to take her in to get her. Listen, don't take me in nowhere and get me nothing. Huh? I don't have time for that. I'm busy trying to <laughs> beat the reaper, <laughs> the grim reaper. You know what I'm saying? Stay two steps ahead of that rascal. Amen. You understand what I'm saying? And walk in divine health. It's a job. I don't have time out to go time and check and see if God's healing me or not. You know, you go to the doctor to see if God's keeping his end of the covenant. Well, that's all it could be. What are you going for? If you believe it. And you do everything you know you need to do to walk in divine health. What are you getting checked up for? Right. Amen. You know, it's people, crazy people. Uh, I think it was, I don't know, I think it was the Winans. They had this thing where, oh, well, when we travel and go to our, our concerts, we go on different planes because if something were to happen to a plane, and what, well, if something will happen eventually, you keep talking like that. Why don't you get in a plane together so when brother gets nervous and stupid, you can hold, uphold him in prayer? One can chase a thousand, two can. Why you split yourself up? And you scared to fall anyway? And you go split up? That's the time to get everybody you know who can pray with you. Amen. Devil, if you can take all these saints down in one shot, go for it. But we riding and we going to get there. And we have agreed on it in Jesus' name. Amen. If we would stop getting stuff from the world. You know, people in the world do that. You know, corporations, they, you know, they, my husband worked for one. You know, every, they had a corporate jet, but they had seven or eight of them. And they never put all of the big four or five on the same jet at the same time. Why? Because the stockholders wouldn't let them. They had a mandate from the stockholders. Oh, we're pulling every penny we got out if y'all get that stupid. Because he knows all this end of the business. He knows that. And you mean you're going to let somebody kill all of them at one time? No, put him on one, put on him on the other one. And, you know. But that's the world. Right. 
That's the God of mammon. That's how he operates, to fight his own system. You don't bring that into the kingdom. Why? You have a covenant with God. You have elevated status with God. He treats you like he treats himself if he were in the earth. He does the same thing for us that he would do for himself if he were down here doing the job he has mandated us to do. We have to have that. We have to have that status. We have to have that protection. We have to have everything that goes along with it or else we cannot do the job that he's called us to do. You can't do it. You can't do it half afraid. You can't do it sick. You can't do it worried about sickness. You can't do it broke. You can't do it worried about finances. You can't do it with all of these cares on you. You have to do it as a blessed person. So he says, you are blessed and I have made you a blessing. You know what that means? You can show up and say hi to somebody and their day is made. Huh? You can show up. You don't have to get spooky and, you know, the prophetic stare. You know, like you the closer or something, you know, like, like you know something on somebody can send them to death row or something. closer to you you look do I look like I really know something that could hurt your life all you have to do is show up and be yourself you're blessed you don't manufacture blessings for people you are blessed and you can impart a blessing wherever you go just don't get in the flesh don't get stupid okay see we lose it when we start getting over in the devil's territory Somebody threatens you, you threaten them back. Stupid. Huh? Let's add idiot to your resume. Oh, okay, how'd that get on there? That got on there from the last time you got in somebody's face because you thought they could fire you from a job God gave you. God gave me this job. I know he gave me this job. And the minute the devil comes up and says, booga, booga. (laughs) My boss don't like me. You don't like him either. You didn't go there for it. Do you look like Miss America? Did you go there to win beauty contest points? Well, what are you worried about like for? You have favor with God. If you really believe God gave you that job, then you listen to God and obey God when you get in there. Obey the commandments. Thou shalt not get in somebody's face. Well, if you insist on fighting your own battles, he'll let you do it. Well, be better to walk in your covenant with him. You know, God is not as, as, as quick to want to condemn people as we want him to be sometimes. See, we think if somebody hurts our little feelings, 
If they don't get fired or they have trouble on the job themselves, we upset. Did you know that God is not hot to make trouble for somebody just because you don't like them? See, you're getting your status wrong again. You got elevated status, but you are not God. Praise God for that. Because the way some of us go off at the drop of a hat, you know, people would be toast. They'd be fried. They'd be shot. They'd be, I hope they run into a car. You know, it, they'd be, it'd be a mess out there, a bloody mess. God's a God of mercy. He's good to the thankful and to the unholy. Make sure you stay in the thankful bunch and don't get yourself over an unholy bunch, being one of his children. If you're royalty, you need to act like it. Huh? We don't get down in the dirt and pull hair and fight with people and cuss them out, pull a knife out. We'd like to. Huh? On some occasions, we might be tempted mighty hard. <laughs> I tell, I tell women all the time, I said, well, you know, you're having trouble in your marriage. I said, just make sure that when he starts packing to leave, you don't help him. See, that's when your marriage really is in trouble. You think you got trouble now. But that brother started packing and you find yourself getting another suitcase and easing up, making the job quicker, then your marriage is in trouble. Huh? You don't ever get on the enemy's side. Huh? You take a stand for what God holds in high esteem. Huh? I don't care if you don't have but a piece of marriage. A piece is better than none at all. Huh? You hold on to that sliver. God will, if you honor that sliver, God will work with that sliver. See? But keeping together a marriage is a whole lot more than just dealing with that person you're married to. See? Dealing with people, period, is what God looks at. Looks at all, the whole picture. So we're to be imitators of God. <clears throat> Enoch walked with God, and he was not because God took him. Hmm? Just everything that was of earth fell off of him. He didn't care about earth anymore. He didn't value the things of earth anymore. He just valued what God valued and was a blessing to the earth. See, when the earth things are not worries and cares, that's a godliness. You got me? God ain't worried about how much money is in the bank account and how he's going to pay a bill. Huh? So when those kinds of cares drop off of you, that's a godliness that's coming to you. And you see yourself as a ruler over these things and not subject to them. You're not their servant. You rule over them. You don't serve them. They serve you. And you mean it. And you live it. And you act like it. See, there are some things that that you can do that you don't do out of restraint. Because the love of God restrains you from doing certain things that are tied to the earth. You see what I'm saying? These are things that, you know, earth things don't really... Don't keep you hung up all the time. You're not so compelled 
to stay focused on material things, how to acquire, how to get more, how to get better. You've moved on. You've moved on into sonship, sons of the Most High God. You've moved into royalty where you have an assurance that these things belong to you. You have an assurance. You don't worry. You don't fret. You don't fear. You have assurance. You're not worried about a prayer being answered. You know, you can let, you can get religious worry. I've been telling everybody, you know, my husband's coming home. What do I say? You don't say nothing. You say, welcome home, or how, what took you so long, dog? No. <laughs> ah, wake up. Uh, cut mm, back at you. <laughs> Come here so I can slap you real good. <laughs> Here's the duct tape and, and the rope in your chair <laughs> waiting for you. Oh, yeah, we got rid of that recliner right after you left. This is your new chair. <laughs> Get the taser on the side. (laughs) (laughs) But we are imitators of God instead. He won't take the tasers. His heart couldn't take it. (laughs) He got so old, his heart can't take it no more. We just be kind. We be kind to the elderly. That'd be a crime against the elderly. We pray against people like us. Okay. (laughs) Okay. Oh, it's time to quit. Okay, so, so <laughs> we are imitators of God. Okay? Now, when we imitate God, we ensure our status as divinely protected. He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the... That's where all the protection is. When you imitate God, you walk so closely to him that you live under his shadow. You shadow him everywhere he goes. You don't try to get in the head and God ain't working fast enough. You want to see him work slow, you get your little fingers involved in it. Huh? Mess it all up. So when we do this, we ensure our status as divinely protected and our foes must respond to us the same way they respond to God or they incur the penalty. <clears throat> I'm going to read you a quote, and it, it's kind of interesting because I looked at it, and I said, boy, that sounds like what Christians are. Hang on, I have a scripture here I was going to share with you first. If we follow God and imitate him, then we are his disciples indeed, the Bible says. And then we get freedom in God's truth. If you fight God, then truth is your enemy. You got it? So if you, if you follow God, he says you're my disciples indeed and you'll know the truth and the truth gives you more and more freedom, gives you more and more ability, gives you more and more blessing. But if you fight God on any of this, you fight his word, you don't think it applies to you, you think it's too hard to do, you think you can't do this, you can't do that, then the truth will only bind you. So you want to be a disciple of the Lord through following him. And I found this quote 
I think this guy is a, an economist. His name is Theodore Forstman. And he says this. He says, the entrepreneur, as a creator of the new and a destroyer, dominated by denial, rejection, difficulty, and doubt. And although as an innovator he is increasingly imitated when successful, he always remains an outsider to the establishment. And when you walk with God, that's going to be your life and your world. Where the invisible is going to be more real to you than the visible, and you're in constant conflict with the outside world. You're in conflict with the world government. You're in conflict with the people of the world. It's a hard road be because you have elevated status in God. You have something in you that's in constant conflict with the elements around you. But you have protection. You have status. You have authority. You have blessing. You have all the upside of God's covenant. It's up to you to decide if it's worth it. To be in, in this struggle and this conflict with convention, status quo, the God of this world, the God of mammon, all of those things. But those are your enemies because of your status with the Lord. Because you're an innovator. You're constantly conflicting with the status quo. You know, where you see people who are in sin, you want them out. You see your little friends that are Christians, but they're religious. They're playing games with God, and you know it, and you want them free. You want them to come up and enjoy an elevated status. See, you're in constant conflict with these things. But because of that, you serve a God who gives you divine protection. He gives you the same protection that he gives himself in the world. And he doesn't hold back. Anything that's too tough for you, he will ease up on it. He'll erase it. He'll move it out of the way. Huh? Because he knows for a fact what he's put in you, he knows it's worth protecting, and he knows that whatever it is that comes against you is illegal as far as he's concerned because he's already given you all things that pertain to life and godliness in the person of his son. Amen. Why don't we stop? <clears throat> Father in heaven, we thank you. <clears throat> we bless and praise you. We magnify you because you know what you've done for us. You know what you've done in us. And you continue to work in us to confirm our divine footing, our divine position, our divine status. So we thank you, Lord God of heaven and earth, for blessing us, encouraging us, and making us your own. Giving us the position that we hold in this earth. And we thank you for it, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. Praise God. If you put on some music, if anybody needs prayer... Whatever you desire, it's, uh, it's on you. Whatever you want me to pray for, I'll pray for it.